Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Pedagogy Matters podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to bring to the fore some key topics of conversation in relation to learning and teaching, to discuss, to break down aspects of practice and provide snippets, advice and guidance as to how we can integrate these into our daily practice. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Christine Calder, Academic Development Lead at Dundee and Angus College, and today's topic is focused on action research. Christine, welcome. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Given everything that's going on, I think we're all just battling through. Yeah. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Well, considering we're 11 months in, and uh, there the appears to be an element of, of end in sight, you know, hopefully it's positive, but yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. Let's not count our chickens too soon. So today we're talking about another topic which is very dear to your heart in terms of action research. So I think it's probably useful to start with, I guess, how did you get into it and kind of what what does action research mean to you, Christine? I think um, one of these things is I moved into the world of professional learning back at merger time um, when a lot of the, the, the colleges in Scotland merged. And as I started to delve more and more into professional learning and deeper into professional learning, which is part of my job, is a large part of my job. Um, I came across the term action research and being me, I was like, I wonder what that is, and started to nosy around, started to read a little bit about it. Um, and, and actually over the years, got in touch with a couple of people down in England who are incredibly strong with action research and have research networks um, going. So ultimately that's kind of where it kicked off from but actually I went down I was lucky enough to go down to to Manchester to actually go to one of the, the research uh, meets and speak to lots and lots of practitioners who use action research regularly annually just to push their own professional learning and actually get the benefits out there for themselves but for the students for their colleagues and so on um, and it, it just it was a piece of the jigsaw that was kind of missing, in my opinion, and that there's a lot of people maybe doing something similar in their own practice, but maybe not with the, the framework, et cetera, that's needed behind action research to give it a little bit more rigour, which I know we'll talk about in, in a wee minute or two. Um, but yeah, it's just, I found it so inspirational that I started to use it myself. And I thought, well, if anybody's going to have to promote it, I, I better dip my toe in as well. And it has transformed my own teaching practice. Um, over the last few years and uh, and just purely by word of mouth and speaking to people around the college others have sort of trialed it as well um, and it has had great benefits. No that sounds really interesting you know and you can tell you're kind of very much inspired by it and I think it's useful to start with well, what actually is action research what is it what does it mean what, is, what do those two words mean? I think that's the thing it's like there's two words there and um, it's also known under 101 other terms as well. So you might find people talking about practical inquiry or practitioner inquiry. And again, just to be clear, if we talk about practitioner, it's not necessarily talking about schools. It's somebody within the education setting that practices the, the craft of teaching in some way, shape or form. So a lecturer, um, it might be called teacher research. And again, the word teacher is interchangeable. Um, and evidence informed. We all talk about whatever we're doing, we want it to be evidence informed. And it's the same kind of thing. Where does that evidence come from? So action research is one, one major place that it can come from. But for me, the, the key thing is the word action is personal to me. Therefore, the action happens in my classroom. 
it's an area and I say classroom, but I'll, I'll say this now. It could be my gym hall because I, te- I uh, lecture in sport and fitness. It could be a workshop. It could be any practical area, studio and so on. So, but the actual action happens in the classroom. And yeah, it's about the craft of teaching. So it's very, very personal to me. And then the research side is in there. And I often find that research is a scary word for a lot of people. Absolutely. It doesn't need to be. So we started calling it research with a little r. Um, or started to, rather than talk about action research, we'd talk about, um, do you want to enhance your teaching? Do you want to experiment with your teaching? And start to call it by something slightly different to get away from this term of research. And actually all the research bit is, is you know, trialling something, reading a bit about it and then trialling it. Um, by any, it's a little bit fancier in the background if you like, but it definitely involves that experimentation with something around the craft of teaching. So just those two words can be broken right down into the basics. And I think, in all fairness, anybody doing it might, after one or two runs at it, go, yeah, it's quite a grand title, action research, but actually, it's we've all done it in some way, shape or form already. Um, and then putting it under the term of action research, we just give it a bit of a framework um, that can people can follow to give it a little bit more behind it. No, I think that's really interesting because again you're absolutely right there in terms of when, when I people hear the term research I think wow that's big that's scary it's going to take a lot of time a lot of information a lot of resource um, but actually really it's around I'm going to say in limbs terms looking at elements of maybe trial and error that's yep. how people do as part of daily practice but it's maybe formalizing that a little bit to have a real purpose to try and have then a an overarching impact and, that'd be yeah. fair. and I think that then leads on to the why so why is why do you believe that this is important or why does the sector and other colleagues believe that this is an important um thing to do i think it's growing in the sector for us i I do think it's growing i think it's got a place to grow as well um for me i'm a lecturer at heart i was a pe teacher and then i moved into the lecturing world and i love the teaching element of it and the world's been so bonkers for the last while, so much out of our control. And it's that sort of a, what can you actually can control? I can control what happens in the classroom. So therefore, it's a reflection on me as a professional and I want it to be the best it possibly can be for me, for my career. I could be in the, this career for 35, 40 years. Um, and it's that's quite a lot of time and you never want to stagnate. You want to keep growing. You want to keep yourself enthused. Um, Otherwise, what's the point as well? If you're going to be in the job that long, you've got to keep yourself current, but also for the benefit of the students. So no matter how many students come through your doors, you want the experience to be inspirational to them. You want the experience to really grab them and for them to get the the joy out of coming to college and the joy out of actually, you know, learning about the subject that you love. So I think that's part of it in the background is maintaining that enthusiasm yourself and Again, that, that, that idea of professionalism and uh, the whole professional identity side of things. So as a lecturer, I absolutely am. I love the job. I love being with the classes, um, but I love learning and teaching and I love the subject matter. And there's, a, there's tons of stuff that are fantastic about the job as such. But actually, in order to feel that I am involved in it. I'm not having so many things, so many policy, etc., applied to me in order for me to be part of that, that whole scope of uh, the whole scope of 
further education, the college world, I have to be involved in it. And this is one way for me to get involved in it rather than just have somebody coming along saying, oh, you must do X, Y, Z. Actually, even reading some stuff, reading some literature, reading some, whether it's blogs, whether it's bigger pieces of research, but actually being able to go, do you know something? I recognise that in my teaching, in yeah. my workshop, or I recognise that in the way I am with my students, or actually having the ability to go, nah, I disagree with that. And it's okay to disagree with stuff that you've read, to go, I disagree with it, but the main thing is the reasons why. What have you seen that makes you disagree with it? And that's fantastic, that critical, posh words, but critical stance on the literature or whatever you're reading about is absolutely key to action research. Um, and for me, it's key to being a, a professional lecturer. We're absolutely allowed to be critical, and by critical we mean the positive and the negative of what you see and what you're reading. Um, and that, as long as we are engaging with that literature and actually taking away that that stance, that, that agreement or questioning it a little bit, and then we can take it into our action research. If we think there's something wrong, there's something we can adapt, this is our own individual way, maybe starting to just put it out there when we get to the end of the research to go, well, actually, I disagreed with something, I've trialled something, I've come out with a great result and put it out there for other people maybe to read about or to talk about. And that's how that's how change happens. And we think there's there's over 5,000 lecturers in, in colleges in Scotland. That's a lot of people. If we even harness a, a few people doing that throughout Scotland, that's a voice. That's a college voice. That's a lecturer voice making an impact. And you're absolutely right there. I'm going to draw back to a couple of things you said. You know, So fundamentally, it's to improve your own practice and improve the learning of your learners. Yeah. And I think another point you mentioned around you know it's a mad world and an analogy i use quite a bit there's a lot of noise out there you know around what is effective teaching especially in the online world around breakout rooms quizzes forms this and the other, of which there's some really effective practice and i think just to draw it back in the purpose of action research from what you're saying there is to test things to find out what works for you and then to share that more broadly to go through a process of trial and error to reflect to try and inform yourself and try and inform others. And you're absolutely right going back about five or six minutes you're talking about as, as a real drive and a real clamour for evidence-informed practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say to the average lecturer who might not have really been in this world before, you know, there's a term in sport around marginal gains. How can you improve your practice by 1% of the time? And this might just be an example of how you may well do that across certain topics around reading the research or, or, or trying to improve elements of your questioning or elements of your modeling or effective instruction. And I think it's fair to say that action research is just a method of semi-formalizing or formalizing that area of interest for yourself or and of others and kind of understanding what's worked for them and, and using that to inform your future practice. Is that the kind of the what and the why? Yeah. So now, so now for the easy question, Christine, how do you do it? <laughs> Oh, God. So, so right. really, really important so i'm now thinking right i've got a load of great ideas i want to <laughs> test test out my teaching i want to do some action research how do i do it well i think this is never mind a podcast this is like a, a wee bit here but <laughs> a couple of days worth no in all seriousness i would say if md is wanting to do it i would read a fair bit about it and there's lots of good things on youtube jean mcniff is uh, amazing That's with action research she's just lovely as well i did meet her once um and there's there's plenty out there and there's plenty of frameworks out there but the one that I've read a fair bit now and the one that we kind of trialled is that first and foremost, we are professionals and we know our teaching better than anybody else. Somebody walking in the classroom gets a snippet. Uh, the line manager hears what 
each lecturer has to say about their own craft, their own, their own teaching. Uh, but actually, we, we're in control of it, so we know where there are issues we'd like to solve. Um, so the first thing is probably to identify a problem, and that might, again, always base it, I would say, always base it on your own personal teaching. Um, so that it's very meaningful to you and the students get therefore get the benefits as well. So identify a problem, something that maybe needs improving. Um, and I'll kind of run through a wee example because I was thinking about this beforehand. So I did one a while back and I taught anatomy and the students often came in with a bit of a fixed mindset yep. around anatomy and I can't do this, I wasn't good at it at school and so on. And there's lots of closed book exams in anatomy Maybe five, six weeks worth closed book exam, five, six weeks more teaching closed book exam. And it kind of struck me afterwards, speaking to the students, quite often they were like, I knew that answer. I just couldn't get it out. I knew that. And I'd spoken to them before the exam, spoken to them after, but something just wasn't clicking for them. And so for me, that was a problem. Um, so I read up a little bit more about a whole host around retrieval practice and how to help how I thought could be possible to help the students get in a better place before the exam. I didn't think there was going to be too much would change around my own teaching as such. Um, I just thought there's something I could do to help them. I'd spoken to the students beforehand uh, in previous years, I taught this for many, many years, um, in previous years, and they very much wanted a fairly directed way of teaching. They didn't want to go down cooperative learning, they wanted to be told because it was too big a deal in their, their, their words that they got this wrong. So they wanted to be reassured that somebody who knew what they were talking about was standing in front of them, taking them through the, the, the unit, which is fair enough. Um, so read a wee bit about sort of retrieval practice and so on. Spoke to the students, actually wanted them involved in this because they were doing their own research unit. So nice to get them come along in the journey with what I was thinking of doing. And we agreed that actually let's just do something straight before the exam. Cramming doesn't get a good name and it's not cramming because all the teaching and all this sort of stuff was done well beforehand but actually what we did is give them 45 minutes half hour space to do a quiz simple as that before the exam that would take them through areas that we knew that they struggled with in the exam but also some of the, the, the commonplace side of things um, and that was that was where my reading went that was where my literature getting a bit critical about it going actually cramming gets a bad name but this isn't necessarily cramming this is just looking over notes right before the exam. Um, then took it back into my own hands and started to look at my objectives to go, what do I really want to get from this? And again, that the whole idea of getting clear objectives was absolutely crucial because you go down the rabbit hole and you come out with something completely different than you started with. So be clear with yourself. Of course, you could be flexible, but if you start to change your objectives at that point, I'd go back to the start again to think about what actually is the problem and have a read or watched YouTube and so on about the right areas. So next stage was clear objectives. And it really was about what am I trying to find out, drilling right down into it, what, what's, the, what's the real, real crux of the problem, um, keeping it as simple as possible. Next stage was the evidence. What's going to be helpful? What can I start to use in terms of evidence that would allow me to improve practice? But uh, ethics, and I'll get back to the ethics in a wee bit. But the evidence that I could use to also see if there has been any improvement or not. Um, and for me, I was lucky enough at that stage to still have previous year's results of these exams and obviously be looking at the, this current year's. So that was a little bit of the quantitative data that I could use 
actually you've got a room full of students so you've got really 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 rich qualitative data if they're willing to talk about it um, although there are other ways to get qualitative data too so I guess that's the next stage was this gathering that evidence actually trialing it and seeing how it goes picking up all that qualitative and quantitative data um, and again it's not it's not like master's research, it's not PhD research, it can be quite light touch and that's okay. I'd probably say that's really crucial about this. It's absolutely okay because this is done alongside and during your day to day job. It doesn't have to be massive because we're going through the process anyway. Um, and then it's evaluate. So for me, when I started to look at the, the differences between, I've actually got, got them here, so the differences between previous year's results and this year's results where we particularly brought in a quiz beforehand uh, it, the, it was quite amazing quite amazing and I, I told the students about this as well so I had two previous year's results and they were very similar and then this year for instance percentage wise it went from 25 percent on a full reset down to one percent oh wow so it was quite for me yeah. that was an absolute gobsmacking my goodness something has worked here again that yes there are variables there absolutely are variables but regardless it was like something really really nice has happened here um, and actually the remediation rates went down as well from 23% down to 19% so wow. in all fairness it was like it was a wow this is this is really positive and again the probably the last stage for me would be implementing changes absolutely for me this now that was two years ago I did that wee piece of action research wrote it up shared it with some colleagues, but actually I implemented those changes and have not gone back since. And that's the key bit, you know, it's selfishly first was about improving your own practice for your own learners. Like we said towards the start of kind of, of the podcast, but there's some interesting points there. And obviously it's important that as, as lecturers, as teachers, we do this anyway. We consciously think, how can we teach better? How can yeah. we have an impact on, on certain metrics? Obviously within our gift is how much we can do. So I guess drawing on from what you're saying then, the process of action research really is just formalising that and making that more conscious, more explicit. And it's interesting what you said then in terms of, at the start, think about the why and the how and the what. So what do you want to find out? Again, with, with teaching, it can be as much as you want it to be. But it's really important to draw it back to something quite tangible that you can measure distance travel, isn't it, in some respects. You know, ideally, exam grades, and yes, as you alluded to rightly, there's a lot of different uh, variables that could influence that. But I guess the more you do this, the more then you, this becomes more accurate um, to understand the impact that these things are having. And then it was interesting what you said there towards the end in terms of then shared the strategy. Great. It might not work for all, but it's useful for other people to know. Actually, here's, a, here's something that worked for me. This is how, this is why. There's the evidence. And that, I, that, that's really important about us being reflective practitioners. Mm -hmm. no, so yeah. I, think, I think that's really interesting. And then... I know a lot of people being asked, well, how do you draw us together? So what do you do? What does an action research report look like? Is there a set way or what are the set themes? So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I'd say there's, there's, there's 101 ways to do it. And something we're always talking about is how do we share practice? How do we share this good practice? And if I head back down to uh, Ashton College, it was, in England, and they had this whole FE research meet. Fantastic. We had loads of practitioners from different areas came together for a, a day and actually just showed each other what they had done. There was a couple of key speakers and so on in there as well. It was a really, really enjoyable day. And I think for me, it's purely because it was all about 
learning and teaching, actual learning and teaching stuff that you could come away with and go, oh, I'm going to try that. I think that's relevant to me. And it was just that like, that might not be for me, but my God, it was interesting to hear that person's experience. So there was a few different ways. Some people got up and did a presentation and others brought along a poster where they just condensed all that information and uh, put the posters up and were they available for a chat. There was a lovely little speed dating session set up as well where you kind of had the headers and you could go and speak to people as and when you wanted. Um, so I'd say there's, there's loads and loads of ways. For me, I wrote it up into a kind of poster presentation that I gave to people if they wanted to look at it. And I gave it to a couple of colleagues who actually were a bit like, this is dead interesting. I'm going to try that. And uh, not uh, maybe, I think it was like six months later, a colleague came back going, I tried exactly what you did and it worked for me. And I'm going to keep with it. And again, they didn't have to go through the the kind of the, the same process I did, yeah. but they just they just creamed off the benefit there and they saw the positive results from that. Um, and I, as we said, I don't think it would work in every department. Our students are very different, uh, but it's certainly something that is not, and I think that's one thing for me about action research is, if we get the ethics right, there's going to be benefits all over the place and there will be no detriment. And that's something that I would say as you head through the process. So there are various frameworks you can follow out there. But I would say get a most colleges will probably have a group of people who are interested in research, an yeah. active research group and some that have got really research expertise in there. Get them involved, get them to think about the ethical side of it. So. The thing, I think the thing about when we look at bigger research and action research is there's a power dynamic. We're doing it in our classroom with our students who we are ultimately assessing. So there's a definite power balance that we've got to talk about there. Yeah. Um, and therefore, the ethics are quite crucial. So focus it on ourselves first and foremost helps there, definitely helps there. Um, but there is a BIRA, so British Educational Research Association have ethical guidelines for all educators and to their good starting point to have a wee look at and get your head around um, and the sort of the who needs to know in your college and who needs to kind of approve it not necessarily saying that there'll be a massive like if you go to university to do your PhD there's a massive um, approval process not like that but more than likely most colleges will have a, a bit of a proposal paperwork nothing too lengthy just what are you doing why are you doing it what are your reasons what ethical process have you taken into account? Have there been any issues that you think you might encounter and what are you going to do to make sure that it's not detrimental to the students, to colleagues and so on? I know no, I, think, I was just going to say, I think that's a really important point to note there on the ethical practice and ethical considerations because, yeah, that, that's a real pertinent point in relation to this. And I know from speaking to lecturers and my experience in the past in different colleges, there's often a cynicism towards this. And I'm not saying all lecturers absolutely not, but perception of, well, it's going to take me more time to do. It's going to, you know, why would I use this? Well, actually, as a practitioner, we're always evolving our practice anyway. And surely it makes sense to have a tried and tested method that's worked for others that informs your practice. And I'm going to be, I'm really going to lower the tone right now and use a TikTok analogy. <laughs> now, my daughter enjoys TikTok, as, as, as most young people do. But I guess it, it's a view of, you see these really quick 15, 20 second videos where they've, they've perfected a recipe or perfected, you know, mm -hmm. a really unhealthy breakfast. I'm not going to say that's action research, but it's similar sort of principles where someone's gone out and tried different methods and then you'll go pick it up and use it in your practice. That's exactly yeah. what this is, but really to help make us more effective, better teachers. And it's a really interesting point because, again, as a practitioner, I didn't really get involved with this as much as I should have, but I think it was more because it wasn't as prevalent. Yeah. And I know in Scotland you're heavily involved within a, um, a research network, Christine, so I don't know if you want to kind of talk a little bit about that now as well in terms of CAN. 
So if you don't mind, kind of tell me about what Ken is and what that means and and, and kind of what it's, what it's all about, really. That would be really helpful. Sure. Well, myself and a couple of colleagues, so that's uh, Patrick O'Donnell from Perth College and Kevin Brosnan from the University of Stirling. Um, I've been working on this for a couple of years, to be fair. There's been a massive gap in the market in terms of literature, as we talked about, in terms of anything that really can influence what we do in colleges in Scotland. Um, there's been conversations all over the place about what policies have been written specifically for colleges. Um, and quite often we find that we are ultimately following a policy that was maybe written for schools or maybe written for a particular area that not necessarily for colleges because each college is so unique and so different. Um, and so he's got some conversation started about, well, actually, where is the evidence in the background around colleges? Where is all this literature? We, it's not really anywhere. Yeah. Um, or it's maybe totally interspersed in various journals that are behind paywalls that actually the average college lecturer and manager can't access. So who's going to do something about it? Uh, well, nobody, unless we do. So there's the whole action research side of things coming in again. It's about our, our practice, our sector. So let's actually maybe try and do something about it. So CAIRN was created. So Colleges Action Inquiry Research Network, um, with a lovely acronym, much easier. Nice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it was created and we've spent a wee while talking to people and thinking about how this could best benefit the college community. So ultimately what we've got is a journal and it literally will get launched at the end of this week. So it should be out there for uh, when Pedagogy Matters goes live. And a couple of main, well, a couple of drivers behind it was everyone goes through, or if you're, you've gone into the college and you're not a qualified lecturer for the learning and teaching, you're going to go through your teaching qualification and further yep. education. And I've been involved in helping to deliver that for seven years, six years now. And the, some of the essays, some of the work that goes on, and it is based on inquiry. It's based very much on in action research and in some cases. But the work that comes out is amazing. And who gets to read it? Nobody. It just gets popped in a drawer. And actually, we, we owe it to everybody in the sector to actually make these kind of things available if the person wants to share it. Um, so that was one big reason behind Cairn. And there are people doing masters and PhDs and you name it. That are, The work is so specific to the Scottish sector. We're not the biggest sector out there. So because it's so specific and into that niche area, actually to get a big publication to look at you is going to prove an issue. But the work is fantastic, but it's maybe not going to get published in an international journal because it's so niche market for yeah. Scotland and a... Uh, our curriculum or our particular setting, regional area, so on and so forth. So Cairn would be an ideal area there. So what we've done is created this network. And at the moment, we're starting with this journal, which, uh, as I say, launches at the end of the week. And we've got a whole host of different types of article in there. And that we've got what and yeah, one that's going to be incredibly popular is something as simple as it's about crosswords in chemistry and the use of them. And it is about that practice, what benefits the students. And that's because I've had a sneaky peek at it beforehand. And it's just, yeah, it can rock practitioners' worlds. But care in itself isn't just for practitioners, it's for the whole of college sector. So there are elements in there around, for this particular edition, around uh, libraries, um, about, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, about reflective practice and so on. And again, that's a, 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 something that uh, 
Cairn in particular, is, is looking at, so we're looking at a variety of different types of articles. So it doesn't all, ha all have to be research-based articles. Um, there are a, different, a few different ways, I'll do, do a bit of a plug, um, a few different ways to get involved. And ultimately there are things like reflective articles are fantastic, um, particularly people who may be transitioning from different role to role or coming into the sector or maybe even moving out of the sector. Yeah. Um, anything that's, that really affects the, the Scottish college sector. Um, we're looking at things like book reviews as well. So one thing talking about literature is that just what ones are really key to us, what ones are really relevant. Don't know about anybody else. I don't have time to read all the books I would like to read. But therefore, if somebody's recommending one and through a, a bit of a critical book review, I go, that would be really relevant for me, fab. Or in my position, I'm going, I know who that would benefit. A group of people who are doing the TQFE or some of my colleagues, I can make that immediate sort of recommendation. So, yeah, there's a, there's 101 ways people could get involved with care. So a few um, questions on that, Christine. And so, Ken, so this is going live at the end of February. Mm -hmm. in terms of the, the journal. How do I find this? I'm a lecturer. How do I find it? Where do I go? You can go to cairnjournal.wordpress.com. Um, simple as that. And it's there. To be honest, it's live now. So um, at any point, MD can access that and it will just be updated as and when we can. Right. And also, one of the other things is we've got a wee Twitter account. It's been fairly inactive, but we expect it to be more active and it is at Cairn Journal. And obviously we'll we'll kind of share this um in and around the kind of the release of this episode and then how do people get involved say they want to get involved with you and the rest of the can team what do they do is they contact you via the website and how was that yeah work? well because it's all been done in our own time it's all been weekends and evenings just to get this off the ground um what we've got at the moment is just a generic email address that one of the three of us will pick up um, at the moment and we hope that Cairn's going to grow over the next while and if people really are keen and in getting involved definitely give us a shout whether that's as an author whether that's as a, somebody who would like to maybe get involved in actually helping to drive it forward in the sector or maybe the people have got great ideas about what could fit in um, and they've maybe got people they'd want to recommend or introduce to Cairn yeah just give us a shout. No that's great and obviously from CDM perspective we'll be supporting this moving forward maybe do a virtual bridge as well kind of talk a bit more in depth as well as looking at different events where we can try and draw people together to kind of support the sharing of practice and we'll have a plenty of conversations about that as well to try and cause for me it's, it, it's a topic that's very dear to my heart right now because it's around supporting lecturers to improve and ultimately supporting learners to enhance their learning experience even more so you know so yeah. it's a really fantastic bit of work that, that you and the rest of the team are involved with and like I say there's a lot more I wish there's a lot more questions right now as well because of the, the recent changes. And obviously, I'm, I'm sure some listeners will be aware that, that, that CDN now has a research centre where we'll be looking at elements of this more broadly across the piece. But obviously, from a learning and teaching perspective, it, there's, there's certainly a lot to be interested in there as well. Yeah. No, that sounds fantastic, Christine. So no doubt after this, hopefully you'll get lots of interest and, and we'll kind of really take this forward there as well. But Christine, thank you very much for your time. It's a really, really interesting topic. Um, and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot there. And even if it's just kind of encourage them to, to, to pick up one journal or kind of get involved in action research, fantastic. That's what it's all about. So thank you very much for your time, Christine. Thanks very much, Johnny.